Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Film House. Uh, it's brought to you by Vincero Collective today. Uh, you can save 15% on your own Vincero watch. Learn more about that later in the show. But for now, we're going to talk about Blade Runner 2049, which we all saw about 12 hours ago. It's true. Joined by Bruce, Hello. James, and Elise. Hi. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, I guess real quick, how, how are you guys doing? Did you enjoy the film? Did you have a good time? I'm pretty confident that I'm a replicant. What? How do you <laughs> know? That's because uh, I had hold this on, hold on. memory once. Now look up. All right. There it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're an Nexus 8, though. That, those are the good models. That's the good one. Yeah, I the, obey. Uh, those are the good models. Yeah. A warning, as Definitely always, uh, heavy spoilers. Uh, oh, yes, I, yes. Actually, I was thinking you could, we could actually probably review this movie without getting too spoilery, mm -hmm. but if you feel like you need to say something, just go ahead. So you've been warned, audience. Be careful. Yeah. There uh, might be spoilers in here. Most I would recommend you go see this movie and the first one and all the little short films in between that they've been releasing online before uh, watching or listening to this review. So, you've been warned. Let's take it away. Okay. My, my first takeaway, speaking of takeaways, uh, from this movie, it reminded me of Breath of the Wild. Oh. Because I felt, like I, like I said with Breath of the Wild, it felt like it was the game, it was the oh. Zelda game you thought you were playing when you were playing Ocarina of Time. Okay. This is the Blade Runner you thought you were watching when you were watching the original Blade Runner. How dare you. I'm not trying to shit on the other Blade Runner, but Blade Runner's plot is weak. Well, actually, Ocarina of Time is a great video game. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows it's a great video game, but Breath of the Wild, I think, is better. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Well, yeah. I'm just getting at there's certain legacies that the initial Blade Runner film set up, and it was the world. Yeah. It was the world. It was the uh, audio and visual aesthetic of the film type. And it was the tone, but the plot of Blade Runner isn't. It's fairly straightforward. It's, it's he's pretty, hunting. It's kind there of straight, four replicants. Forward, he's hunting them simple, down. It's noir. I think, yeah, I think it's that. Noir, yeah. I think that. So this, well, but that's even the thing. I think that if you took someone who hasn't seen Blade Runner but has heard about Blade Runner and then sat them sat them down and had them watch it today, they'd be like, "This is boring." Well, not necessarily boring, but oh. he didn't do anything. Yeah. What, did, what did Deckard do? He didn't really do much. He was just the man in the middle of a thing yeah. happening. This, uh, similar similar to this. Well, no, this one feels more like a hard-boiled detective. He's following leads. He's tracking down suspects. And he's actually going from different like location to location to try and figure out the solution to the mystery. And to me, that felt more like what you thought Blade Runner was than what Blade Runner actually is. I think I know what you're saying. Okay. Um, I, I guess, yeah, to yeah. recap, I guess in Blade Runner 1 original Blade Runner, it's Deckard sort of called in after because uh, in the very beginning it's someone interviewing a replicant. He dies and they go, hey, we need you to come back in. Your buddy's dead. And he goes, okay, cool. Oh yeah, this is like a short film. Actually. Oh, that's oh, what this oh, is. Oh, I yeah, was yeah. going to say. They, they there are three short, like I said, there are three short films that they have released uh, between uh, the release of the movie and yeah. they're all really good. Well, so, I know that they said they're like, it has nothing to do with it. I was like, I don't care. Not watching any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just smell what's on screen here? MVP Dave Bautista's tiny glasses. I know. I love those glasses. glasses. I love yeah. those he keeps glasses. doing this too. His head's so big. <laughs> those glasses, those glasses are, are so tiny. But I bet those glasses are like huge on me. <laughs> yeah. but, anyway. Uh, anyway, Deckard's character in the first one, uh, pretty much, yeah, following leads. And they do actually kind of a, a cool Terminator 2 thing, I feel like, in the uh, Blade Runner 2049, we'll talk about that later though, that they, they sort of reference the old movie. So I think that there is some importance there, but yeah, he's sort of brought in, meets this replicant, Rachel finds out about her. And then uh, he, it, there's more or less, it's just like a, a few replicants that are, they call them skin jobs. They are uh, basically synthetic humans that are 
trying to they want to live. All they want is their essentially their freedom. Well, they're and they're trying they're, to rebel against their master. Replicants are generally used for off-world slavery yes. and tasks that human beings don't want to risk themselves with. Yep. But they're basically built to be better than human beings. So they can they're stronger, mm. they're smarter. They're androids. They're so the the trade-off of that is that you just put a lifespan cap on them. Mm-hmm. They basically have a battery they expire, yeah. that just runs out after four years. Yeah. It's never really gonna do too much detail. Like from what it's very much like Battlestar from my understanding. It's like they're not actual there's no electrodes going on. They just they're genetically modified in a way that they don't feel as much pain. Um, they're stronger. And they're stronger, yeah. faster, but then they die. It's all organic. They're built in a lab. Yeah. yeah, they have a short lifespan, at least the original Nexus 6 models. It's unclear what the lifespan is of the newer models, uh, which I guess getting into Blade Runner 2049. Um, I was... Did anyone know that Ryan Gosling was a replicant? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. So the See, only I, reason I, I thought so. I, I went in not... Trying not I to think about it. I thought that would be a it. twist. I'm the same way. But I appreciated the fact well, that it's the Adam, opening of the I, movie. I, 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 I'm not going to try to, like look up predictions i'm not going to be too invested in the plot until i'm actually there seeing it and i i didn't think he would be a replicant the, the mm-hmm. only so. reason the only reason i thought because i didn't read anything either except for the short story so i read the short story okay. and that's what that's what a blade runner was is that they had hired they basically had made a replicant to hunt other replicants um and and that's what that's what the short story is about i knew Which that short from story? the sh- do andrew's dream of lecture yes oh, yeah, i yeah. knew that from the short story because i yeah. I, I haven't never read it but i know that Harrison Ford's always been kind of down on the whole Deckard as a bla- as a right. replicant theory, right, right. but then people always point to the short, short story. story. Saying, the short story lays yeah. it out, says that's what he is. Yeah. But regardless, um, so that so when it's, Ryan Gosling is turns out to be a replicant, for me, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I already knew that. Well, like, the, I, I'm unclear so. about the 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 story. Do Andrew's room lecture? I'm not sure if that was it. I'll have to. I, I, re- I thought it was. That. I thought it was left to be kind of ambiguous because like the ending of the the book, I think he just goes to sleep. He's like, I'm done. I'm gonna go and. And he dreams of a sheep or something because there's no actual living animals on the planet anymore. There's also he leaves like to go to go to San Francisco to find a frog or something. It's weird. Well, there's also a weird religion in that whole thing too, um, which is it's actually really interesting. But the the point of the film and the first one, I thought, um, I, 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 it was always kind of cool when you were young. People were like, oh, did you know he was a replicant? And then you're like, oh wow, big twist. But then when you think about it, it's kind of cooler that he's not because Deckard as a uh, human is more robotic than the robots that he's chasing. The robots are seeking life, and the the character Batty is talking about all these wonderful things and how he just wants he has the urge to live. Whereas Deckard's really sad and alone, and he has a robotic routine that's like more pathetic. And so it's like it, the the fact that it was human was a a better twist, I thought, than him being a replicant. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I I'm fine twist, with whatever this world universe is. I I again in the Ridley Scott years ago said he was a replicant, like he confirmed that Deckard. Uh, Harrison Ford was a replicant. Really, Scott's a crazy old so, man. I'm just yes. saying that's the, that was the way he made the movie. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, then they were, apparently Harrison Ford and him are arguing about it. As, as it <laughs> pertains, hilarious. As it pertains to 2049, though, I like that they get that shit out of the way. Me too. Right yeah. at the beginning, because yeah. mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be the whole. Oh, me too. Thing yeah. like that was going to be the whole thing, but it wasn't the whole thing. Yeah. So like that. The, that question for Ryan Gosling, at least, is answered immediately, yeah. and I appreciate it. I start, yeah, I, I pretty much appreciated that this movie didn't try to push any giant revelation, because mm-hmm. um, what there wasn't that, and mm-hmm. then the the Ryan Gosling thing was pretty early on. I know the the whether he, or not he was the child was sort of advanced, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then it never felt like a monumental. <gasps> yeah, yeah. There was, know, there was never a the twist. Movie, yeah, the movie and, didn't yeah. force it on. I, 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 I appreciate that, like, <sighs> and and. Uh, like Denis Villeneuve is pretty 
he's not he, i would say that he's not really like a super climactic guy where he's yeah. pushing those yeah. those yeah, gasping right. twisting moments in his mm-hmm. films he does he um, likes to build up to moments like mm-hmm. in films like sicario and prisoners I think it, he, he, likes he, to, he likes to do kind of a slow burn he likes to build to emotion i think mm-hmm. more than he likes to build to a twist or a gotcha or mm-hmm. anything yeah. like yep. that and yeah. he's really great at building to that emotion especially in movies like in sundays and uh Polytechnic, which or Polytechnique, which is the oh. <laughs> all this like French Canadian yeah. oh, films. Oh, okay, well, okay, all right. And like um, the oh, the only movie of his that like I wasn't. What's the Jake Gyllenhaal one? Prisoners. Prisoners. Pris- yeah. not, oh, sorry, not Prisoners. Oh, oh um, uh, they filmed it in Toronto. Yeah, the the double agent doubles. The, T as a twin. The spider. Oh, oh I never enemy. Saw it. enemy. Enemy. I really liked Enemy. I never saw it. Yeah, I just thought it was I didn't care for the spider. I liked everything else. Um, so like, yeah, God, he's like <sighs> he's like knocking him out of the park consistently. Yeah, yeah, he's, no, he's he's a he's fantastic yeah. filmmaker, excellent yeah. director. Uh, the cinematography by Roger Deakins is just unbelievable. Is yeah. is maybe one of the best looking films yeah. ever I mean, made. I would agree. It's so interesting because when I think of like the original Blade Runner, I think of blue. I think uh, of just blue neon. tint everywhere. Everyone's backlit with with just blue lighting on them. This had like it was like opposite end. It's like everything's gonna be gold. That Vegas scene yeah. where there it's just the, the all the open windows and the wasteland the desert, and it's yeah. all just mm-hmm. just blinding gold is like yeah. such a great contrast mm-hmm. yeah uh, it was it was cool because so cool. it i i felt like what this movie did really well was world building they had a very limited scope in the original film and obviously they could expand in this one and i like that it felt like what a lot of movies do where they show like so like say um uh What's that one? The Clockwork Orange. It felt like what the future would be like if the '70s stopped yeah. and moved yeah. forward. And they, I think, they were very uh, aware, self-aware of like what they were doing with this film. They said, "We can't go too futuristic, but we can have some advancements because obviously a lot would happen in yeah. over 40, 50 years." But it didn't feel like anything huge, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which I really like. Like, there's obviously more holograms and things like that, but it was never anything that felt. There were some much. old displays that you'd see on his car that were like really old. That yeah, like, oh, and those they are have fun. like huge bezels. Yeah, and yeah. like they, cool. they sound like there's a tube back there powering them, so they all turn on yeah. like CRTs uh, and it, like. That, that said, to your point about the cinematography, um, the cinematography and the visual effects together mm-hmm. make this one of the most like pro- one of the most interesting films to watch yeah. ever. Um, it was like Prometheus for me, although Prometheus wasn't a very good film. Yeah. Uh, this is a good movie. <laughs> so, and it's two hours and forty-five minutes, which is way too long Didn't for me. Feel way, that way too long. long. It, it felt like that. For, like every every hour, I hit another hour. Where I was just like, this is too long. Oh, I but uh, I still liked the movie a lot, and the visual effects were the were the things that sort of would kept getting me back into it. Uh, because there are a lot of scenes that just like Villeneuve likes to do, which is like very, very slow, drawn out, lots of emotion, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would, this is probably the longest film he's made. Um, yeah, probably. Because right? most so. other films are pretty short, which I appreciate. Well, the interesting thing about the length of this is that I was trying to figure out how do you make this movie so long? It's paced the same way the original Blade Runner is paced, yeah. where it's yes. like yes, it is. long dialogue sequence, and then it cuts to a wide and goes boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just like yeah. it just like shows like yeah. cityscape or just like zooms in on like a window or whatever. Boom, least, and it does that, but there's a big plot, yeah. Yeah. so it's still yeah. trying to get. Blade Runner has the plot yes. of I think like a 30 minute film, That's exactly right? right yeah. But then it's it's stretched out into two hours yep. because of the way it's edited. This is has the plot of a feature film and it's two hours and 45 minutes because of the way it's edited. Yeah. Yeah. At least compared to the first one though, it doesn't really have uh, those 
the scope of those just kind of wide city shots where you're always seeing a vehicle docking or, mm. or fl- like like the first one is at least the final cut's a little bit masturbatory in that sense where there's so many of those oh, yeah. and they are they're very very drawn out they're beautiful mm-hmm. to look at they they're, they're, i think very, they just didn't have a lot to cut to because no. they were filming at 3 a.m yeah. in la and they're like just reuse the shot this stuff's expensive yeah, and we're on a limited budget shots, but this one, it, there were less of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it still felt like it was... It, it also... I was curious whether they were going to push in advance. Because there's a very, like, Japanese, Neo-Tokyo, mm-hmm. like... like well, it's like all cultures. Vibe to yeah. the first one. It's more, I mean, more Asian. To the first one. Well, I, I was going to say, this one yeah. feels more like a mix of more cultures. Because there's, like, more like Korean in it. Like, mm-hmm. there, there, this one just felt like it was like, okay, now we're even more... Uh, like, like just more of a mixture here, yeah. and I think that was always the intent. Uh, watching the there's a four hour documentary called um, Dangerous Days, just like the whole making of the original Blade Runner, and uh, Edward James almost talks about it more about how it's uh, people there would speak uh, speak city speak, yeah. which is that's why he, he like made up a language, which is like a sort of like combination of a bunch of different hmm. languages and stuff. And, and so, speak it in this, right? I yeah yeah he yeah. spoke a little bit of it, and I think the idea was. I don't think it was fully fleshed out in the first one. And that going like jumping off of what you're saying, though, what I really like about this movie is I believe it could exist on its own. I don't think it needs the first Blade Runner. I agree. No. Yeah. It, it, it feels yeah. like a really cool story in a really cool world that pays respect to the original. But it could it's very much just its own story. Yeah. And I like that it, it took there. There are bigger plots taking uh, taking shape that they sort of show at the end. Like there's a rebellion. He's like. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's a, that's a whole other story that we're not going to get to. It, it's just showing that there's a much bigger world here than what's just going on in this small section, which is kind of what the first Blade Runner did. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like it's like you get this view, mm-hmm. but now this is a much larger lens, but it's still not a world. You know, like right. you still right. are looking at Los Angeles and the outskirts of Los Angeles, kind of. It, it, it's like kind of like Judge Dredd in that way, where they just give you a small piece, and you're supposed to from that extrapolate what the rest of the world is like and they keep talking about off-world colonies which we never cool. see that yeah, which yeah. is cool um and i think that it, it's always less is more uh, yeah. in this sort of situation I, I think they actually did a really good job of going to parts outside of los angeles and showing that how shitty those were oh, yeah and just you you start to get an idea of like this is not a future you want to live in mm-hmm. and it, it feels it feels closer to uh what what could yeah, be these, I, these like in terms of like dystopias this to me always feels like a pretty like close representation of if if you know you have that kind of corrosion and degradation in the world and people are, are either packed on top of one another or there's just uninhabitable wasteland mm-hmm. like there's and and Texas yeah <laughs> and and they never have to explicitly say that yeah. but they do such a good job of like visually showing that like all those other factors I really like mm-hmm. anything anytime you can kind of infer geopolitical stuff or or that that kind of uh, thing I, I always really like, and and the first Blade Runner and this Blade Runner both did that like really really well. I was impressed with the fact that uh, over the last thirty years, from the previous Blade Runner to this one, they managed to um, get off fossil fuels as much. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the first Blade Runner, it's all like smokestacks yeah. and like flame things, and then this one, everything is like electric and it's digital. All very clean. And I'm like, nice, nice job, guys. Harrison Ford said, "I'm not coming back." I'm not coming back unless you get off those get fossil off fuels. Get off those fossil fuels. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine if Ryan Gosling's character K had seen the movie Her 
And then he was like, oh, no, everybody, <laughs> that, that was gonna say. everybody so, got a digital so, girlfriend, not just me. The movie was long. I, di- I didn't necessarily feel like that was a bad thing for me yeah. um, because there were so many sci-fi things in this. Yeah. This is the this is maybe the ultimate sci-fi movie. It's like this <laughs> and Fifth Element sci-fi. are like like the hardest of hardcore sci-fi oh, yeah. um, because it has so many of those classic sci-fi questions, the things that make cyber what makes and you a like, human right. and, like yeah. what makes you a human? What makes what is love? You know, is as an AI actually think like all kinds of stuff like that. It's just like so good in terms of like if you are into that, what, yeah. what is this snow crash or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's like a, there's yeah. a Ready Player One trailer in front of our viewing of this. Yeah, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but I'm like, no, 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 no. This is sci-fi. This is this is hard sci. This, this what, is that's hard. What Phil, hard that's what Phil K. Dick is. Yeah. Phil K. Dick mm-hmm. has always been hard sci-fi, where it's asking like you know huge existential questions in the midst of this sort of dystopian android robot, you know, electric future. I I can see people in the theater sort of zoning out, but you're kind of supposed to do that. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right. It's just, yeah. it's one of those movies where I think as the trailer probably sold it as like there's going to be a lot of action, but if you look at the runtime, there's not going to be a lot of action. action. Yeah. Like obviously. So what you have to sort of do like with the original Blade Runner, it's easier just to sit there and go just take me in. And the movie's really good at that. You it believe is. you're yeah. in this world. It and is. I, it was really cool because I felt like there's a lot of times where I didn't feel like I was actually watching a film. I felt like I was just peeking into a day in a life of this thing trying to find itself, Did which you is, you know, a skin job. For the, for the audience, it's totally worth it to see it in the theater, by the way. Oh, oh, Please yeah, see man. it in the theater. Oh, my gosh. It's the like, sound? again, like with Prometheus, if you'd seen that movie at all, you should have seen it in the theater because watching it at home sucks because the movie's not very good. This is a um, this is a movie that you should, you should see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, I, well, the the other things I was saying earlier, like it has sort of a Terminator Two aspect to it, not not from a plot or anything like that, but in the way that I always feel like Terminator Two makes Terminator One better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of do that with Absolutely. this. They yeah. do this with this film in in that sort of sense where technology is advanced. So the filmmakers, I believe, thought uh, so many people talked about is Decker a replicant, yada yada yada, back and forth, and they just said, "What if we just show you life from the perspective of a replicant?" Mm-hmm. And the it, like Ryan Gosling's character is cool. Yes, uh, he's yeah. he's he's fleshed out. Oh. He's he's sad. He's tragic. There's a lot. I actually I like that uh, Harrison Ford doesn't show up for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I thought I want to see more than that. I well yeah I think it was it was <laughs> I, I think it was like an 40. hour and forty minutes. Jeez. They said which is great. Harrison Ford isn't he's not really in the no movie. no you don't need it yeah. Uh, Jared Leto's not in the movie very much either. Very yeah. briefly. Yeah. But I I really like fine. that they it, didn't make him over the top cheesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah me well, too. It's it's Kay's story though. That's what I I really yeah. enjoyed about this movie. It's him. As a detective, he has no choice to be a detective. He was born into this job, or was he? That's sort of the question that keeps coming up and keeps you interested through the film. To your point, yeah. Adam, about it makes you it makes the first one better, makes you think about the first one more. Now, yeah, now it's like you're you're going back and watching the first one from the perspective of well, it was Ra- it was Rachel his creation that was created just to kind of test Deckard and mm-hmm. see like his, his you know his reactions. Was and, it Tyrell's like vision mm-hmm. to yeah push the replicants forward by having them uh, allow them to give birth. And it's all super interesting, like, to go back now and think of the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys have a favorite scene or moment that that's you really good, That's liked? a really good question. Uh, There's so much good stuff. A lot of, well, my favorite scene is when he had a three-way. Damn it. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> Shit. The visual, the, visual effects on, the visual effects on that scene in particular mm-hmm. were, 
I, it blew it my great. mind. Well, it's our, that's our generation's ghost. It, yeah. It's our generation's ghost. Well, I was <laughs> thinking. That so blew I, my mind. I was thinking really sad dudes who don't get out that much and what would happen if they had a hologram, a like chick who. I brought you this girl to On top of a real chick? Who, well, the hol- a hologram chick who would basically agree with them. Like thinks that they're the best person That's in the, the world, worst thing and in the just world agrees with them on every single oh, thing that I they see, say, yeah. Yeah. and then also has other situations where then another chick comes in, and then your hologram girlfriend gets on top of your other girlfriend, and then you have sex with both of them at the same time. <laughs> to, and they're to, both to, supermodels. <laughs> <laughs> to explain to the, to the audience, just so you know, uh, Ryan Gosling has a hologram girlfriend basically the whole movie, but then and Siri, th- he also brings in a real woman who's like a prostitute. And then they well, super. I think, well, even better. I think his hologram girlfriend she brings, brings in, in the prostitute. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Hologram She's girlfriend. like, I called this yeah. first guy. Thought yeah. you'd like, like it. Alexa, I can tell order you me a prostitute. Yeah. yeah, the robot orders a real girl, and then the real girl comes in, and then basically they merge. Yeah. The the hologram syncs with the real human, and then he has sex with. Which he, is really impressive CGI. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah. 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 Did Brian Gosling have to stand there twice? That's all naked chicks walk around and then go home to Eva Mendes. Poor guy. Can you imagine now in the reality? the real version of that scene where the robot girlfriend is like one of those robots that like falls off stage and has <laughs> yeah. the big plastic lips and then the girl, awesome the mo. prostitute they bring in is just uh. covered in sores. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the reality we're living in. Uh, well, we talked a lot of, a lot of positives. I do have a couple uh, criticisms I for the film. I didn't say my favorite scene, Adam. I, uh, yeah, I well, I'll get there in a sec. Just well, James said his. Well, well, I'll just say, I don't think I, don't think I had, I need to go see it again. Um, okay, this well, is this is sort of the just shout over, just shout over. I think he's trying to do an ad read. I can't. Well, I'm about to do an ad read. Go, I'll yeah. just I'll say real quick. I, I don't have a. There's no favorite scene that stands out because I, I actually really enjoyed the film, like scene to scene. I thought Elvis, was, the Elvis one for me. Oh, the Elvis scene was okay. so fucking good. Okay. Right. That was so good. That's cool. Man, that was fucking back cool. to you. I oh, asked a question. If you, you didn't have an answer, if you to, wanted to, one hour. <laughs> wait, what? I didn't ask a question. That was Elise's question. Favorite scene? That's, yeah, that's true. That was Elise's that question. It's okay. I don't need to be. That's fine. At least you could. We want. I want to hear the Elvis scene afterwards because you got to describe it to the that's audience. Fine. It's amazing. No, it's it's okay. an amazing scene. Uh, we'll get right back to that real quick. This episode is brought to you by Vincero Collective. These are watches. Hey, it's a luxury watch. And uh, guess what? Or sorry. Well, I'm just saying. Most luxury watches are very expensive. You don't need to pay a bunch of money. They can cost up to five hundred dollars. We don't want that. No. Most brands mark up their watches six to twelve times before it gets to you. Guess who's eating that cost? You, everyone. Oh, I was like, who? I'm, well, you guys, too. You're all, yeah, a little we bit. Uh, so Ventura's years of manufacturing experience allows them to create innovative and luxurious timepieces and deliver them for a ridiculous fair price. Ridiculously fair price. So uh, I've been wearing mine. I, I wear it out. I typically don't wear mine day to day, but I do like, I think it's a nice accent piece to when I go out to like weddings or nice dinners, fancy engagements, uh, Blade Joel's, Runner. Joel's house. <laughs> Blade Runner. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. When I'm late yeah, for my yeah. films. Um, so yeah, a watch like this can easily cost you more than $500. So don't pay that. Manjaro has more than 3000 five-star reviews, free shipping and a 21, 24 month warranty. Seriously, please check them out. Uh, with full grain Italian leather bands and genuine Italian marble. You won't believe they start at just over a hundred bucks. That's, quite a steal so like i said whether you're late for blade runner or late for a wedding or late for joel's house late for jo- well I mean, you won't be because you'll you'll know the time <laughs> you'll go wait a minute it's 4 20 better get to joel's <laughs> <laughs> i bet he's playing a mobile game anyway ventura has the versatility you need uh so yeah that's really it uh so the uh want to let you guys know that you can get 15% off your very own Ventura watch if you go to VenturaCollective.com slash Filmhouse. 
That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O, collective.com slash filmhouse, F-I-L-M-H-A-U-S. You should know that by now. Build your legacy today at VenceroCollective.com. Thank you, Ventero, for sponsoring. I want to hear you describe that Elvis scene, because that Elvis scene is amazing. It's an amazing scene. It's a great scene, because it's a fantastic mixture of new and old. Also, the lighting in that Vegas scene, those Vegas scenes are amazing. It's unbelievable. The tension in that scene well, we know he's not going to hurt him, okay? We know that's going to happen. <laughs> he punched but, him a lot in the face. Yeah, just, he did. For real, too. The, yeah. The, oh, yeah, and he was taking it. Um, but just the way that, like, it was, they had the the um, Lighting? holograms were, oh. like, cutting in and out. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. the so sound cool. design for, like, because so cool. it, it startled me at one point. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like when uh, tech, uh, the people represent technology correctly. Because oh, it never works. Yeah. <laughs> Shit's always breaking yeah, when here. Yeah, when she's, like, glitching by the side of the... Oh, man, that was so cool. Yeah. Gosh. Um, I just liked, also, it's like, it's like, well, what would people naturally do in this future uh, scape of Vegas? Oh, they'd have an Elvis hologram. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not even in, like, in a a giant theater no, it's, it's, a in a, it's in a crummy little yeah. he's basically he's basically re- reduced he's reduced to <laughs> yeah. a lounge singer this elvis hologram yeah. and marilyn monroe kind of pops in i don't know it's just such a cool vibe i think a lot of um these dystopian uh movies like a gattaca too they do an uh, awesome mixture of of you know 19 19- 40s, oh, yeah. 50s Did you get a Gattaca vibe style. from this? Especially when he was looking at the DNA Some sequence the, that says the Gattaca. The architecture, yeah. for well, sure. Yeah, I know. They're, yeah they are definitely their choices. of de- choices. They've showed it a couple times, but when he goes to check in, and when he's like looking for information on that uh, serial number, and he goes to check in, and it's like a completely sealed off hallway with no windows and then one tiny little slat that he talks oh, yeah. to the bald guy through. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like the, the, I was base, like, the baseline measurement. Yeah. I was oh, like, actually. Okay. I could say that. Well, no, no, no. The, no. when he's going to research stuff in the, it's an orange room. Yeah, yeah. And he talks to the bald guy. Oh no. Oh, I, that oh, was just okay. reminding me my favorite scene, Elise, to answer oh, okay. your question. Here, here we go. <laughs> this is <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, after he, uh, goes to Sapper's place that Dave Batista character after that, he goes back and he's being interviewed and they're asking him all those things and he's giving those responses. And then you cut to like the, the third act of the film and then they're freaking out because he's becoming self-aware or whatever. And he's, oh, yeah. he has to answer the questions again. It's super tense. It's all the same stuff, but it's like, that was actually, that was a moment where I was like, I was very much awake for a film that's very somber and very like slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was really well done and uh, kind of, I, I don't, I don't want to say Ryan Gosling had range in this movie, but he's, I, he's good at that stuff. But he, he had like, what do you call it? Subtle range. No, he's very good at that. He's very good at emoting with his, with his features and yeah. with his face, with, but not doing too much. But this not, thing, I know he gets a lot of shit for that and people, he does, but he's good at it. But I, th- I felt like this movie played that perfectly, especially yeah. since he's a, an Android right. robot replicant thing. And when he had those moments where he burst out, when he finds out that the memories aren't his or he thinks they're his or whatever, he's he's this frustrated character. It felt it had more weight Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to someone who's always charismatic or funny. And it's like there's not a lot to laugh at in this movie. And those moments like when you you actually like feel something is like, I don't know, it's very telling of. A good filmmaker. Yeah, and and there's definitely a contrast between the way he is at home with his uh, like robot girlfriend, or not robot, but like hologram girlfriend, as opposed to when he's out in the because when he's out in the world, you can tell he's like, well, this is my life, this is bleak, job, it's my job. Yeah, that's that's what Um, he does. I I definitely think like this this movie and Drive speak best to to that kind of emotiveless Ryan Gosling acting Mm -hmm. because they fit the best with the world and the characters. 
Yeah, I was glad with it. Uh, my one criticism, actually, it, it might not be a criticism if you guys can help me out with this. So at the end of the film, uh, Deckard's being taken off world. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, he's in route. And then Ryan Go- or Kay is walking around and he sees his hologram girlfriend who's now dead. Mm. Um, and he has a moment and goes, I got to save Deckard or kill Deckard. Or you're not sure what he's going to do. How does he find Deckard? Like, because he's flying off with the woman. They're they're in route over the ocean, and, and he so he has a he has an escort. He has the center ship, yeah, yeah. and then the two escorts. How does how they does sh- Cave sh- just find them? They show a shot of the radar that he's looking at. He's he's in but, a police cruiser. Okay, so, so he can uh, track my vehicles. impression was that he he, he tracked him? he tracked their radio he's, calls. He's in okay. a police cruiser to, towards because they were headed towards the airport. Yeah. The spaceport. Or I, like I said, I need to watch it again. I, but that, I, that was like my one concern. Was, I was yeah. just sort of like, it just kind of showed up. That's that's what I assumed because, like, you always think of Blade Runner and flying cars, but having just watched Blade Runner and Blade Runner, and I'm like, oh no no, flying cars are basically helicopters. Yeah. Like, specific organizations have access to flying cars. The rest of the people have to travel in their stupid triangle cars. That's a good point. And so the fact that he was in a flying car, I assumed that he acquired it through the police department. Okay. Through a scene that you don't see where he just, uh, whatever. There, there is a stuff. moment. Uh, there is a moment actually where they do say like, you're in restricted airspace, uh, you know? Yeah. So like they're definitely popping up on someone's radar. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, that's what, that's what I assumed. Once again, that was the only part where like Bruce and I were leaving the, I, I was kind of so sort of like, I don't know. How did that uh, happen? Yeah, they keep, do a pretty good job of establishing early for me, at least establishing early in the movie that if you want to find someone and you have access to like the network, you can find anyone. Yeah. It's like, Oh, where is he? He's there. Yeah. Like he's, it's yeah. just a big map of the U.S. and it zooms in on where he it's, is. It's a cool balance of a, a future, but not a complete totalitarian one where, like, the, I always assume the future is going to be someone hits a button and your car stops mm-hmm. and then you stop and then someone just finds you. So, like, your freedoms are all, they're just pretty much gone mm-hmm. to do anything. But then they have these sorts of movies where it does feel a bit older, like in like the 80s, where if you wanted to hide, you could hide. Mm-hmm. But. You're, there's still ways of like I don't well, know. There's I ways love this shit. It. There's there's so many payphones in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. There's like like at the f- first time he goes to the police station. There's a bunch of people on payphones with cords coming out of a thing, and I'm like, what? <laughs> he's got an a he's got a hollow AI at home, but he's there's payphones. More of like a class system. I feel like that's what separates people. Like yeah, you said, oh, money. definitely. Yeah, class yeah. system. I think I think probably you know it, it is really easy to find people if the government wants to, yeah. but the government probably doesn't have much interest in the actual where well, well trillions of people. But the government whatever. probably doesn't have much interest in the actual welfare of their people. They're not creating yeah. infrastructure for welfare because mm-hmm. they're more interested in these off-world colonies, etc. That probably have great flourishing welfare states as opposed to the you know earth which is well, like well shitty. people That's, are just living in slums yeah. and um there's this there's this city that existed i don't know if it still exists but i think it was in china and it was this like basically oh where they filmed uh the jean claude movie the i know talking double about. impact it, it, well it was like yeah it, oh yeah, yeah i was forget what it's yeah, called yeah the walled city the walled city uh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's like there's basically no law within this city because it's like this, these, you like, you can it. see that the aerial yeah. shots are amazing. The Kowloon walled city, the yeah. aerial yeah. shots are amazing. And it was cool. just like, I think it's all, it's all gone now. There, there's a short documentary on this um, place. It, it's crazy. But that, this is what I think of when I think of Blade Runner is just, yeah. Uh, the verticality and just like the people piled on top of one another Ugh. in any space they can be in. Yeah. And there isn't necessarily law and order within it because 
these people are maggots. What does the government really care about? But if the government needed to go in and bust shit up and find somebody, like, they they would do well, that and they I think, could. Well, the, it, it was a weird, like, British uh, settlement or something. It was, it was like, some weird It was a fortress. It was an actual yeah. fortress. Yeah. yeah. And then some, the... Um, Cool the curve. cool thing about Blade Runner, I thought, is that you don't see government anywhere. No. Except for the like, police. The, Except the, for the, the cops. <laughs> but it's like, it's almost like you're saying government moved on yeah. to where humanity is pushing things forward. And they just left a small framework for yeah. Earth, which is Sony is government now. Yeah. Sony rule over you. Well, Dread, Dread was a good, good comparison. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good, Adam, you made that comparison. The raid too. Oh, yeah. Well. Well, yeah. So, so many things have come from Blade Runner. Like yeah. we, we we have so much sci-fi because mm-hmm. of the original vision of Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that came from like uh, uh, what's uh, Phil K. Dick and then Neil Stevenson afterwards. Like it, it was all very much inspired. It's all different things inspiring themselves because um, even Blade Runner itself, the first movie isn't necessarily a one-to-one vision of what Philip K. Dick had, but Not at all. it was, no. it was a perfect marriage of Ridley Scott's, commercial eye yeah. with really interesting uh, writing and sci-fi. Like, I got it. I'm yeah. close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think anyone's ever done Philip K. Dick the way Philip K. Dick did Philip K. Dick, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. Have you ever read, like, um, uh, Ubik or okay. Do Andrew's Dream Lecture Sheep? Or, or there's Pent this, Harlequin. Yeah. He, Philip K. Dick? No. Well, he, he does. I Robot. <laughs> I, I never read I Robot. Um, Minority Report's, like, a short story, did, but, like, in, in Ubik. Um, it's like all the oil burning. Yeah. Well, this this is the uh, yeah this is the anime that oh, the, uh, yeah, the uh, now I can go and watch yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, this one's really oh, no. good actually. That's Harlan the, Ellison. The the anime one the that the uh, the Cowboy Bebop guy did was good. Sorry, Lisa. No, I was just correcting myself so that the comments don't. Uh, <laughs> Repent, Harlequin said the TikTok man is Harlan Ellison. Real quick before, because <laughs> I want to use the good, collective good power story. of our audience. Sure. Has Bruce Tim ever come out and said that that Harley his his idea for Harley Quinn is based on Pris from Blade Runner. Oh. Because I was watching it, I was like, oh, come on. Huh. She's identical. They're okay. fucking identical. Huh. Never thought about that. Like, in her, their relationship between yeah. her and Roy is, like, right, right, the right. same as her Joker and the Joker. And, yeah. yeah. Never thought about that. The, all, all she does, the only thing she doesn't do is say Mr. J. That's yeah. the only thing. Apparently, Harley Quinn was created by Bruce Tin and Paul Dini based on Dini's friend Arlene Sorkin. Who Maybe visually, but yeah. I wonder if that's, the, that's I wonder if he's ever come out and be like, "Yeah, I got, I get that." You could ask him. I All right, know. I'll call Tweet him. him. <laughs> yeah, just hey, buddy. Um, I lost my train of thought. Damn it. Anyway, oh, oh, I was, oh, sorry. I was talking about Ubik. Um, it's another Philip K. Dick uh, novel. It's probably one of his more approachable ones, but that it it's like a it's a future, but it's a really shitty future where you can't leave your house unless you give your door a quarter. It's stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and there were. Actually, a lot of shades of that, I felt, uh, when uh, we were leaving the theater yesterday, both Jess and I looked at each other, like, oh my god, there's so much that, like, it felt like a Philip K. Dick novel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, not only did I feel like 2049 was made by people who really liked the original Blade Runner, they actually liked the source material. And they used, they borrowed different elements Mm -hmm. from other Philip K. Dick novels. I was like, okay, that's that's really cool for people who are into, like, this sort of shit. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, f- I feel like you can't, like you were saying, James, you can't get more sci-fi than this, right? It's It's got more sci-fi than I can think of anything. <laughs> it's hard sci-fi. Yeah, that's, what it's, it's, that's what it's called. Yeah. What was the movie that you were saying? It was like all sci-fi. Uh, I remember you were saying like 
some movie a long time ago. You're like, it's every sci-fi ever made. Oh, that's what I kind of feel like this is. Not Jupiter Ascending, I don't think. Yeah. No one's ever said that. <laughs> well, Jupiter Ascending has a lot of sci-fi, but it's too much. Wait, <laughs> did you say it in a positive or a negative light? Like, did you say it positively? Uh, like, I they know what I'm talking about. There's all these I, tropes, or they just put it all in. <laughs> it has to be Battlefield. Oh, um, uh, the Tom Cruise movie. Tom Cruise Oblivion? and Olga Kurilenko. Oh, Oblivion. Oh, Oblivion. Oblivion yeah, yeah. yeah. That Oblivion ha- is crammed yeah. full yeah. of a ton of stuff, yes. like cloning cliches, and like yeah. everything. Aliens. I don't think stuff. it's done as artfully. No, not as, as Blade, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I would say if you ha- you should have seen the film by now. If you haven't, I'm sorry. Uh, we totally spoiled it, but I do feel like yeah, you should see it in theaters and go in with a open mind that it's. You're not going to go see a blockbuster. Um, it's long. Settle in. Yeah. Settle it, in. It's one of the, but I, like, I want to go see it again. No, absolutely. I, no. I'm not saying, like, I thought it was too long. But again, a lot of people will not think that. And I think that, I think it's kind of one of those things that you just got, have to go in knowing it's two hours and 45 minutes. Did you? Solid. Got, uh, James and Lynch, you guys saw, you watched the original Blade Runner on Wednesday and mm-hmm. then you went and saw 2049 yeah, the next night. We mm-hmm. went to see it, at, like, just playing in theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did it for like one hour. <laughs> I think it was like specifically at seven o'clock at multiple theaters oh, yeah, around yeah. LA, so that's I couldn't make it, which oh, yeah. totally sucked. Yeah. Did you guys feel like it enhanced your experience? I liked it. It put it got me hyped for it. Yeah. Um, you know, right. but I, I was glad because still I still think when you step away from Blade Runner, you think of it as more than more than it is. You remember the world, you remember the characters, you remember the monologues, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily remember the points in between where he just randomly shows up and then kills a snake woman mm-hmm. like or where like other stuff is just kind of happening or the fact that they like Elise was saying repeat a lot of shots mm-hmm. you know at the time it's great you built this amazing model world of Los Angeles and you want to show it off mm-hmm. now it's like all right like okay we've seen that shot before um but then following up with 2049 where it has that same execution, but everything's new, yeah. is like was like a cool thing. Yeah. You know? Well, it must be like what, how people felt when they first they saw the original Blade Runner in theaters. Yeah, like, yeah, it was absolutely. Brand new to them. They're yeah. like, holy shit, this this is crazy. This is a mm-hmm. weird world. Again, right. Ocarina of Time right. and yeah. and uh, Breath of the Wild. I actually would love to like talk to somebody that did see yeah. it in theaters and what the kind of reaction was. Because I know it wasn't it wasn't, you know, a success at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it kinda It gained what, a cult following. Yeah, it, later in its life it gained but I know at the time it was sort of competing against more of an optimistic, like Spielbergian well, trend in movies Star- and Star Wars. My, 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 my parents used to talk about Star Wars when they were like, when we saw it in theaters, it like blew them away. Like they'd never seen yeah. anything like it. Mm-hmm. It was at a time too where you would actually compare a movie like Blade Runner, Star Wars. Like, yeah, they're both sci-fi. Right. And mm-hmm. Enough time has gone by. You're like, well, Star yeah, Wars is more fantasy yeah, and yeah. niches. Yeah, like it, it's you, it's harder to you know look at that sort of stuff when it's happening. And now we have enough time we can look back and go, oh no no no, different genres, mom and dad. They mm-hmm. don't care. Whatever. <laughs> they just want to watch Big Bang Theory. Let yeah. them have it. <laughs> this is our Big Bang Theory. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, it's it's great. It's good. Go see it. It's really good. It's a good movie. I want to go see it again. Yeah. I I'm give going it to. three out of three um, sexual people having oh, sex all together. Oh, a, r- a hologram, yeah. real person threesome? Yeah. I give it a 10 out of 10, 10 of my memories implanted into Adam. Right. Ooh. <laughs> I give it five brooding goslings out of Five brooding five? goslings. Wow. Yeah. Uh, five out of five. I was going to give it four uh, really, really old Harrison Fords out of, <laughs> out of five. Maybe throw in Eddie, Eddie Jimmy almost in there? Um, there, was a point, there was a point where he was running down a hallway, and I was like, man, he's old. And then I went, 
Wait, no, he's always run that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, you run. watch like his <laughs> You see that arm vein? Yeah, yeah. That was like, one big vein. He's like, he's yeah. doing steroids. Good I'm so for glad, him. So glad Edward James almost showed up. Yeah, me too. So glad. Well, Edward James almost also has always been a. Yeah, like I said, he was a big proponent of like the world building. It's so weird if you go back and watch Dangerous Days, the making of. You see Rugger Harrer and uh, <laughs> Edward James almost just being like more excited about the world of Blade Runner than Ridley Scott was. <laughs> Ridley Scott was always in building, and both these actors are like, "Oh my God, you're doing it! A, a true melting pot of society, a real future." It's something. So he's like, "Yeah, so I need you to jump from that building to the <laughs> other one." It's a very matter of fact. Character. Yeah. Well, like nipples. The, Kind of. It's like a weird skin suit. Yeah, I'm showing this discussion. for audio She's listeners. Covered in nipples. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, for audio listeners, we're looking at Ghost in the Shell trailers because I was very much influenced by uh, oh, yeah, Blade, Blade Runner. Yeah. Very much so. But uh, yeah, was, and then uh, also Edward James almost went on to go do um, Battlestar Galactica, which is very much, uh, is it exists because of Blade Runner about like what is humanity and all that fun stuff. Oh, right, so, the replicants and the Cylons. All, yeah. all those things. Yeah. Um, anyway, go see it, please. Okay, uh, I did. It's real good. And uh, thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for watching, all you wonderful people out there. Thank you, Ventura, for sponsoring this podcast. And uh, if you enjoyed this, please tell a friend or family member or someone that you may not like because you might be best friends after this. Probably not. If you don't like them, then you're referring the podcast to somebody you don't like. I'm just trying to create like an icebreaker, <laughs> an olive branch, if you will, Bruce. Uh-huh. This is the last movie we were excited for too. So for the rest of October, it's going to be scary. Yeah, we're moving. We're moving back to. Oh yeah, so Bruce and I are going to be out of town next week. James will be taking over as moderator. Uh, all that fun stuff. November's Thor Ragnarok, though. Yeah, okay. we're doing uh, hell yeah every week a new Thor. I can't Thor wait. Thor Thor spooky, movie, spooky movies <laughs> and the um the what is it the air. Airku, uh, the Air ABCU. I saw a fan theory in the Reddit fan theory subreddit. You know, I frequent daily that Airbud's <laughs> Airbud is inhabited by the dead ghost of his, the kid's dad because the dad loved basketball. <laughs> too. Well, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about more Airbud. Actually, yeah. I won't be here for it, so it sucks for me. Anyway, see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.